Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Compass Church. All the visitors that are here, can I just say, we are so glad you're here. Hey, uh, two weeks ago, uh, I, I, I gave a challenging message. Maybe you were here, maybe you weren't. It was called The Art of Generosity, and I talked about how important giving to the local church is. And I talked about how one of the signs that our love for God is not just words, but real, is that we submit this part of our lives, our financial life, to him. And, and I'll confess, I was nervous. Every time pastors talk about money, it's like, uh, last weekend, the weekend after that message, uh, our giving in our church was remarkably high. The generosity that was demonstrated, by, we'll, we'll clap for that, hey. The generosity that was demonstrated by our church last week was above and beyond our projection, our goal. And so I just want to say, first of all, thanks. Couldn't believe you were listening, you know, some of you. I was like, it's a reminder to me about how serious the people of the Compass Church are about hearing the word of God and responding to what is said. And, and I just... I'm, I'm, I'm inspired by your commitment to live it. I also want to extend a challenge. This was an important message regarding the, the health of our church and the health of our spiritual lives. And if by chance you weren't here on that week, and if you have the guts, go online, uh, The Art of Generosity, and watch that message because I think it's important and uh, could, could change your life. All right, with that said, I want to transition back into our series Family circus. We're all part of a family. We've got kids and grandkids in some cases and nephews and nieces and cousins and siblings and parents. And and families are all crazy. And God wants to make yours better. And he he wants to use you to do it. And so as we transition into this second week, I wanted to show you something. This is a piece of our culture that maybe describes what families in our culture are like better than a lot of things. Are you ready? The big reveal. Do you even know what this is? What is this? A Happy Meal, that's right. Good old McDonald's. I know that some of you are like, that's disgusting. You don't feed your kid that. My kids have consumed more of these babies than I care to admit. And to all of you who say, my child has never and will never, ever eat a French fry, I want to say, I respect you. Don't like you, but I respect you. (laughs) So, fast food, huh? Doesn't this speak to the crazy pace that our families live? The, The most popular type of restaurant, fast food, it's not good food. It's not described by the quality of the food that's offered, but rather the speed by which we can get it to you. And then that's what we need. I mean, our families are hauling. I look at my family. We're rushing from ortho appointment to doctor to dentist to school to trombone to piano lessons to swimming lessons to soccer practice to choir. And it just seems there's this blur of activity. And so when Jake yesterday uh, before the soccer game, said, Dad, I'm hungry. You want to know where I got this? I'll tell you. <laughs> we won. And what's so f- cool is not only is the food blistering fast, but they invented this thing called the drive through You know, someone said, let's come up with a way that we can get the food in their mouth without them having to open their car door. <laughs> and, and then McDonald's came up with 
two-lane drive-through. They said, maybe we can do it twice as fast, which poses a little bit of a dilemma for me because now I have to choose which lane will I go in. And you want to know how I base my choice? Which lane is fastest? I look, I count cars that are in each lane, and not only do I count cars, I'll even say, well, the cars are even, but there's a minivan that could have a large order, and so I'm going to... And then when I go in that lane, I watch to see if I was right. You know, I want to make sure that I made the right choice and that I'm in the fastest lane. And so, you know, yesterday they give me the Happy Meal. and There was a past generation that meals were served on a plate, but in a box today with two handles, one for me and one for Jake. You know, I can pass that back to him with great efficiency. And then they invented this somewhat recently, the apple slices, which is just brilliant because in the past, fast food families felt guilty about the food they gave their kids. Well, now it's a healthy meal, you know, right? No more guilt. Sliced and peeled and preserved and packaged just like God intended. (laughs) So our, our families are going fast. And is that bad? No, I don't think so either. I don't think that a full life is necessarily a bad thing, but I think it can get too fast. And we're about to learn that though our culture is at an all-time, I think an all-time high when it comes to pace of life, the, the challenge of going too fast has uh, been with us for a long time. In fact, if you go to the days of Jesus, there were some, as we're about to discover, who were living at such a frantic breakneck speed that life started to crumble within them. And so let's take a look, shall we? Uh, we're going to be studying a passage, one of my favorites. This is out of Luke 10. If you want to grab the Bible in the seat back in front of you, you'll find the passage on page 1041. 1041. Luke 10, starting in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Let me just comment. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. There's a little town called Bethany just outside of Jerusalem, and that's where Martha and Mary lived. And so Jesus stayed with them, with his disciples. She, Martha, had a sister called Mary, and Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now, Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus, these are some of Jesus' closest friends. And... uh, just loves them. And, and it's not surprising that when he arrives in the town that they live in, they said, Jesus, you must. We insist if you guys stay at a hotel, we'll be offended. Come stay with us. We'll prepare beds for all of you. We'll prepare food for all of you. We'll make a wonderful, restful stay of it. And as they came into the house and were staying there, apparently Jesus saw opportunity to teach. And he said, hey guys, can I ask you to come to the front room? There's something on my heart I want to share with you about the Lord and his ways. And Mary got excited. Mary said, Jesus, would it be appropriate if I like sat in here and joined you? And Jesus was like, fantastic, do it. And so Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, drinking in what he had to say. 
Mary longed to be in the presence of her Lord, viewed it as an unspeakable privilege. And to listen, to hear the truth that transforms the heart was just a privilege she was not going to let pass. And so imagine Mary just saying, this is awesome. Well, what about Martha, her sister? Not so much. Uh, Going out to verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. This is so real. One of the things I love about Scripture is that it's describing real people and we relate. So here, what is Martha doing? Well, it says that she had all the preparations that had to be made. All uh, apparently, and Jesus is going to point to this as well, Martha just made it extraordinary. She said, if I'm going to prepare a meal for the, Jesus and his disciples, it's going to be the best. Jesus deserves the best. And she put on an extravaganza of a feast, maybe a seven-course meal, maybe like a Thanksgiving feast. And she, you know, the passage here says that had to be made. This is Martha's perspective. From her perspective, this is a must. Maybe you can relate. Jesus later on is going to disagree with her on that. But it's important for you to know that all of this frantic activity providing the best meal and the best day to Martha, this was essential. Nothing less would do. Now, Is that bad? No. That's a great idea. The the badness comes in what's going on inside of Martha. What does the passage say? Martha was distracted. In fact, let's highlight that. Distracted. This is pointing to the frazzled nature in her. Jesus later is going to say, you are upset. You are worried. And folks, the word I'm going to use to describe this is hurried. Hurry. Hurry is that inner condition of frantic, frazzled, rushed, distracted, stressed. And I want to draw a difference between hurried and busy. I would argue that being busy is okay. Being hurried is really bad. Busy is the outward conditions. That's busy is when you have fullness of activity in a day. And that in itself isn't problematic. But when busyness becomes so busy that it leads to an inner condition of hurry, then it becomes problematic. When we look at Jesus and ask, Jesus, was he ever busy? The answer would be yes. If you study the life of Christ, you'll find days where he had to go without a meal, you know, and he, had, he was so busy caring for people. But was he hurried? Never. Jesus said, I have come to do the will of the Father. And when the day was done, he would say, I have done everything that the Father has wanted me to do. And people had expectations and he let them down all the time. But Jesus says, my, my days will be full with the work the Father has for me, but I will not get frantic or be hurried. And the reason is, hurry destroys. What does it destroy? It destroys your relationship with God and your relationship with your family. Can I make the case? How does it destroy your relationship with the Lord? Well, let's look at the case of Martha. 
Is Martha enjoying the presence of Jesus in her house? Is Martha listening to the voice and teaching of Jesus? Mary is. Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, basking in his presence, saying, this is awesome. But Martha uh, is missing it. Mary is listening to the voice of Jesus. Martha isn't hearing a word he's saying. Folks, one of the great dangers to the spiritual life of hurried people is that they fail to experience the reality of God. Uh, Who gets to sense the presence and nearness of God? The Lord says in the Psalms, be still and know that I am God. There is a stillness that is required if you're going to know and sense and enjoy the presence of God. If you're like, whoa, whoa, you know, you run through your day all frantic-like, you will be oblivious to his nearness even when he's there. And the same with the voice of the Lord. Sometimes I think God says, man, I've been wanting to talk to you all day. And you have been so busy that you've just not heard me. I mean, a few times I wanted to encourage you. A few times God says, I wanted to speak of my love to your heart. I wanted my Holy Spirit to just convey. A few times I wanted to nudge you to do something or say something to a family member. But God says, you were distracted. You know, you just couldn't get it. And as a result, those who live with hurry in their heart, they're hurting their spiritual life. Now, I said they're also hurting their relational life. And let's take a look at that with this passage. Um, how are these two sisters getting along? Not so good, huh? There is a tension that has arisen uh, in this relationship. Conflict. Do, do you see the conflict? Maybe I need to make it more apparent. Martha's freaking out, all right? When it says that she came to Jesus, I mean, this is her interrupting the teaching, the discipleship session of Jesus Christ himself. I'm imagining it it didn't just go to this immediately. It probably built up. At first, Martha was saying, "Uh, Mary, let's focus on getting the meal ready for Jesus and his disciples. And Mary said, sorry, sis, I'm going to hear him teach. No, yes, and there she goes. I'm sure that as Martha carried dishes back and forth, past the room where they were gathered, she did the whole to her sister. Get over here, and I need you. Maybe cleared her throat. <clears throat> Maybe the evil eye. <clears throat> Can you do the evil eye? Can you... <clears throat> and I'm guessing that maybe Mary, like a typical sister, intentionally avoided eye contact. <laughs> you know? And it got to a point where Martha just couldn't stand it. And she's like, excuse me, Jesus, I'm sorry for barging in here, but I don't think you realize what's going on. I have been slaving away in the kitchen, getting ready a meal for all of you, when my sister sits here and does absolutely nothing to help. Clearly, this is not right. Tell her to get her tail in there. And the disciples are like, oh, wow, she's freaking. Here's what I found. My worst interaction with family happens when I'm most hurried. Have you experienced that? When I snap, when I say things that are insensitive or hurtful, uh, it's, it's when I'm hurried. You know, it's those frantic rushing around, get in the car, I'm not telling you one more time. You know? And uh, it's, it's, it's then that we say those hurtful things. And so not only does hurry stop our ability to really connect with the Lord, 
It hurts our relationships with family. And, and I would also add, stops us from meaningfully connecting with family. I'll say it stronger. You can't have meaningful connection with your family members when you're hurried. Is, is Martha enjoying meaningful connection with family and friends? No. Is Mary? Oh, yeah, she's basking in the presence of Jesus and the disciples, having meaningful community. To, to really be there for people, you can't be hurried. You, you, uh, you may be in the same room with them, but if you're hurried, you're not really there. You know what I mean? In, in order to listen to someone, to give them your full attention, in order to hear them, feel, empathize, speak with a thoughtful response, you've got to get hurry out. Because if you're hurried or distracted, whatever, what did you say? There's just no meaningful connection. Now, I sound so pious, don't I, in lecturing you on this point? Well, let me just tell you, I'm a miserable failure when it comes to this. As evidenced yesterday, uh, Jake had a soccer game, and I went to a soccer game. Now, was my sermon done? No. So I took my computer to Jake's soccer game, and I'm sitting there on the sideline with probably 30 parents, and I'm, you know, looking up every once in a while and looking down, you know, and writing about how important it is to give our children our full attention. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. In the middle of the game, my son screams at the top of his lungs so that every parent could hear, Dad, are you even watching? (laughs) Yeah, Jake, all the parents are looking at me going, terrible father, you know. So I struggle with this. But if you want to connect with God, if you want to connect with your family. The hurry must go. And Jesus knew it. And he looked at Martha and he said, Martha, you're doing a fantastic job of preparing a meal. I fear you're missing out on life. And so though Jesus wanted, or I'm sorry, though Martha wanted Jesus to rebuke Mary, Jesus ends up rebuking Martha. Lovingly, but let's read. Uh, Verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried, you're upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Let's not throw Martha under the bus too quickly, all right? Jesus is providing some loving correction, but her error is not in being busy. Preparing a meal was not wrong. In fact, praise God for people who get stuff done. You know, this church, this world would not operate without folks who get stuff done. And so, again, the problem is not busyness. The problem is hurried. Remember, it says, Jesus says, look at you, look at you. Jesus was looking into her heart. Or maybe it wasn't hard because she was freaking out, so maybe it was all on the outside now. You're upset, you're worried, you're stressed, you're frantic. It's this inner thing that's going on that's a real problem, Jesus says. 
You need to learn a better way. And, and what does Christ say? I want to point out a few things here. I love this. Few things are needed. <laughs> I got that circled in my Bible. Few things are really needed. You know, it's true in a general principle about the importance of simplicity in life. But in this particular application, what Jesus is probably referring to is the meal. He, you know, already he said, you've been worried about so many things and all the preparations. You've had such an elaborate, multi-course, multi-dish meal. Jesus said, you know what's needed? Just a few. A couple dishes. We could have had a simple meal. That would have been okay. No, Lord, not for you. Jesus said, yes, for me. You see, Christ is saying, we think so much is needed. Everybody's doing it this way. Everybody sends their kids to this camp or that thing or that activity. And so it's needed. And Jesus says, no, it's not needed. Few things are really needed. And so Christ is calling Martha to scale back, to simplify so that she doesn't miss life. And sometimes we need to simplify. Sometimes we're so frantic and so uptight and so stressed and so run, 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 run. The Lord is saying, can we go to fewer things? <laughs> because less, sometimes less is more. Sometimes by saying no to something, you are actually able to find life. And that's one of the great principles and challenges of the word and God's ways is to learn how to submit to his Holy Spirit's guidance as we look at all of our options and say, God, help me to schedule for sanity and simplify my life, our family. Few things are really needed. And then I love this. Or indeed, only one ultimately. And what does that mean? Well, Jesus is referring to the one thing that Mary chose, and that is to be with the Lord. When we look at all of our priorities, what's the one priority that rises to the very top without competition? And that is our relationship with God. Uh, the, the point here is that Jesus is saying, as you wrestle with what's really needed, know this, the one thing that must be there is your relationship with the Lord. That's one of the, remember, we have four priorities in our church. Uh, pursue, connect, grow, I do know them. Pursue, connect, serve, reach. And the first, pursue, pursue him daily. We say the first priority is to seek the face of God in Bible study and prayer, setting aside time every day. Let's keep the first thing, the main thing, the main thing. Sometimes you may have heard the, ba the battle between the important and the urgent. Urgent things are those things that say, you must do this and you must do it now. And seldom are the urgent things really important. And what happens is that the urgent wins out and the important we never get around to. Is pursuing him daily, is that urgent? No, that can be put off. Do I have to have time in Bible study and prayer? No, that can be put off. Is it important? Yes, it's the supreme important thing. And sometimes we let the urgent crowd out the important. And so we need to say, Lord, help me keep time with you in the morning or in the evening, a, a connection with you throughout my day. That must be. I can't let that be lost. Help me to keep the main thing the main thing. 
How about this? Mary has chosen what is better. Let's, let's talk about that. There, there is choice in this. Uh, you, some people sometimes act like a victim, like this is all happening to me. I have no choice in the matter. Now, I want to acknowledge that there are single parents here uh, who are working double jobs, and there are some circumstances that are just immense, and I want to be real sensitive to that. But even then, we still have choices involved. And Mary chose what is better. She made decisions. And, and what I love is it doesn't say Mary chose what is good versus what is bad, but Mary chose what is better. It's all good. That's the hard thing is that this choice is going to involve saying no to really good things. But sometimes you have to say no to the good for the sake of the better. And, and that's what Mary's doing here. She's saying, I got, I got to make a decision, and this is a tough one, but I think I know what's right. And we must do the same, to use the free will God has given us to choose to manage our time intentionally, volitionally, saying, Lord, guide me to the best things to do. I can't do it all. I'd love to please everybody and say yes to it all. I can't. And so, God, guide me by your Spirit to schedule for sanity, to schedule in a way that it will get rid of the hurry and bring a, a connection to you and to my family that is beautiful. Busy, but not too busy that I get hurried. God, can you help me choose wisely? Well, I'm, I'm trying to live this. And one of the phrases that has kind of been on my mind that I'd love to share with you is a quote from a theologian by the name of Dallas Willard who died, Dallas died just a few years ago, and he phrases it so well in this simple statement, and that is this, let's put it up. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. What he's, the context is he's explaining how to be spiritually healthy and relationally healthy with family and friends. And he's saying, you just got to know that enemy number one is hurry. Hurry sickness, he calls it. Hurry sickness is killing us. And so he says, get violent. I love the ruthlessly. There's just a, an attack mode that's there. I, with the Spirit's guidance and help, am going to ruthlessly eliminate hurry. I don't want to live that way anymore. You feel it? I'm missing out in life. I'm skimming rather than reading. I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, going over the day so quickly. I'm failing to really live in the moment with vital connection to the Lord, hearing his voice, feeling his presence, enjoying his love, and meaningful connection with my family, not wigging out, not ignoring, or what did you say? No, being there. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to live, and with God's help. We can't. So let me just share how I've been trying to put this into practice, uh, Jen and I, I should say, uh, this last three weeks. You know, school has back in session. And last year, actually every year, uh, prior to this, we have been really bad in the morning. Mornings are just crazy for the Griffin family. You know, I got three kids, each of them, one in high school, one in junior high, one in elementary school. I'll go to different schools, different times. It's just not so. And, and in years past, we've been so frantic that we're notorious for getting our kids to school late. I had a teacher rebuke me saying, 
Sir, you know your son is late almost every day. I'm, it's his fault. No, I mean, it's, <laughs> I drive Jake to school, all right? I'm just going to own it. And our, and our mornings are just like, you know, oh, you take a shower. I told you to get in the shower. Bang, bang, bang. I'm in the shower next. Oh, I'm in there, you know, and I'm running around. You eat your breakfast. Did you eat your breakfast? Fix your breakfast. And lunch. Yeah, pack your lunch. You know, is your homework done? Put it in your bag. You know, and brush your teeth. You try to brush your teeth. And get in the car. Get in the car. And I'm pushing Jake out the door, you know. And I'm driving like a crazy person to Jake's school. I'm putting pedestrians in danger. And I'm not being funny. I mean, really, they're in danger. Look out. And we come squealing up to the front of the school, and everybody's gone. You know, they're in. And I'm like, run, 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 run. And then I close the door, and I'm like, this is not how to, any way to live. I mean, is Jake tasting, is Janae, is Jura, are they tasting the sweetness of the kingdom of God, the peace and the joy? No! And if we start them that way, that's, you know, the, how you start the day is how the day's going to feel. And we just, both Jen and I got so convicted that things must change. And it's not been perfect, but it has been significantly improved. And I, I will share with you that uh, the sanity has come by saying few things are needed. And the fewer for me is coming in the evening. I used to cram more activity in the evening and I'm doing less so I can go to bed earlier and wake up earlier so there's more time to get ready. And uh, I'll just describe to you the, the comparison. Uh, there are days now where uh, I will say, hey, good morning, kids. And I'll Say, good morning, wife, and we'll hug, and we'll pause. Pausing never happened before. (laughs) And I'll say, Jake, let's go downstairs. Janae, we want some oatmeal. Dad's going to make oatmeal today. And I'll stand at the stove, and I'll cook the oatmeal. And I'll say, do we still say you got to brush your teeth? Yes, we say, hey, did you brush your teeth yet? Rather, did you brush your teeth? You know, it's just a better way to say it, and it's working out, and when it's time to go to school, you know, I say goodbye to each of the kids, and Jake and I walk. We don't frantically run. I don't push him. You know, we walk, and pedestrians are safe. You know, I'm waving to them now as I drive down the street, and we come up to the school, and Jake's like, look, Dad, all the kids haven't even been let in yet, and I'm like, I know. Jake, walk to see the kids, you know. As I go through my morning, I'm sensing God's presence. I'm feeling his love for me. I'm hearing his nudges to go encourage your daughter about this or that. And it's a better way to live. The comparison is like night and day. And God is just saying, Jeff, the hurry was not doing your soul or your family well. And I'm striving, struggling, to say less is more, let's simplify, let's live by ruthlessly eliminating hurry from my life. I'm a work in progress. Maybe you're feeling nudged to join me. Would you pray with me towards that end? Lord, we are very, very grateful for the wisdom of your ways and Lord, you lovingly spoke to Martha, and when you did, you spoke to us. We, we receive it. Many of us are just nuts. We're crazy. We're frantic. We're distracted. 
And Lord, help us to believe that less is more and that few things are needed. Lord, would you guide us, please? Help us look at our schedule, even this week. Help us to have some hard discussions with spouse and kids. And help us know what we can say no to and what can simplify things and how to be more disciplined. And Lord, we pray that the result is beauty, beauty in our souls, beauty in our relationship and in our interactions with family. Please, God, continue the work you're doing in me and continue the work you're doing in my friends. May the life you envision for us become the one we enjoy in the days ahead. You are the one thing. Lord, as we look at Mary, she knew what was most important, and that is I'm not going to let the Lord get crowded out of my life. Help us to keep you the first and most important thing of our life, both today and always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.